the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com. Or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show Hour 2. Great to be with you today on Friday. And you know what Friday means. It's Open Line Friday. We'll talk about whatever it is you'd like to talk about. The number is 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. And uh, we'll talk about anything that you have, like to talk about. Something in the news. Something that is a Bible question maybe you have. Maybe you just want to join the conversation or respond to other callers. Today's the day. You can change the subject. 888-528-2557. And uh, in a minute, I want to get to uh, another part of Biden's speech last night that I think he said something interesting. I'd love to get your thoughts about this had to do with a part where he was talking about how when we send armaments to other countries, um, that that's good for us because then we manufacture new armaments. I found that interesting. I'll give you a little historical anchor to that, but I want to get to uh, George, who's been hanging on the phone for a while as it's open line Friday, and I promise to do that. George, you still with us? Yeah, thank you, sir. Hi, George. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Yeah, thank you. God bless you. I got a uh, question about the rapture. Yeah. I know the scripture says the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we that remain are going to rise too, you know, yep. meet him in the air. Mm-hmm. Are we going Are we going up slow or fast in a twinkling of an eye? Or, do you know, do you have any scripture that says that? Says you know, uh, what, like how fast, if we're rising, how fast do we meet him in the air? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I don't I don't know. Uh, uh I guess I'd rather just be over with real fast like a really good roller coaster. I don't I don't know. Well, I know yeah. yeah. I know these fleshly bodies ain't going to be able to stand a quick to go up that high anyway. Yeah, you know, at the end yeah, of the day, I'm I'm sure that whatever the case is, number 1, we're not in control of it, and number 2, right. if you're with Christ, it'll be exactly where you want to be. However it happens. Yeah. Right? And that, yeah, that's a, that's the place where we want to hang out, right? Is that we may not understand all the hows and, you know, all of that, but it doesn't matter because we're not in control, number one. Number two, if you're in Christ, then it's the greatest place to be, the only place to be at yeah. that point. Yeah, I understand that, yeah. 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 So I would I would live your, life for, live your life for Christ now, and so that whenever that day comes, whether you're alive in Christ or buried, uh, that's what happens to you. Right, right. Okay. All right. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you, sir. You have a good evening. Thank you, George. Thanks for calling. 888-528-2557 is the number. Okay. So uh, President Biden gave a speech last night from the Oval Office, and uh, he talked uh, a lot about Ukraine and uh, Israel. And I think there's some debate about, you know, what he was trying to do in the speech in different ways. You know, I think he was trying to cast a vision for why the United States is involved uh, militarily. And uh, we've talked some about that. He said something in the speech that I thought was actually uh, interesting to me, maybe because of the, the historical reference. Um, 
it raised some eyebrows with me. Listen to this part here. He's he's talking about uh, what we do with armaments that we send to Ukraine in particular. We uh, send Ukrainian equipment sitting in our stockpiles. And when we use the money allocated by Congress, we use it to replenish our own stores, our own stockpiles with new equipment. Equipment that, defeat, that defends America and is made in America. Patriot missiles for air defense batteries made in Arizona. Artillery shells manufactured in 12 states across the country in Pennsylvania, Ohio, Texas, and so much more. You know, just as in World War II, today patriotic American workers are building the arsenal of democracy and serving the cause of freedom. Now, here's the thing about that. Uh, he's right that in this, these, our involvement in these wars and sending armaments to places, it is providing jobs. It is doing that. It is, you know, I, I just, it, it bothers me because I don't think that's the reason why we should be going to war, to provide jobs. And he's not correct when he says just like World War II. Did you know that? That's not what we did. In World War II, before World War II, we hardly had any military, uh, you know, weapons manufacturers. We had private companies that were doing that who converted into being war companies. They converted, if they were making plows, they were now making, you know, swords, essentially. Uh, and it reminded me of a speech that President Eisenhower gave, a famous speech uh, in his farewell address. If you ever want an exercise in American history, go read or listen to, if you can, farewell addresses from presidents. Some of them are profound considering where we are today. President Reagan, you know, he used to like to say, and he put this in his speech you know, when he left is, you know, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. It doesn't transfer in the bloodstream. You know, if you're wondering, you know, why do we have so many kids or people today who don't seem to know American values or don't know where we came from? It's because it doesn't translate in the bloodstream. It's an important thing. But this is uh, Eisenhower talking about the end of his presidency uh, and what the world was like then. A vital element in keeping the peace is our military establishment. Our arms must be mighty, ready for instant action, so that no potential aggressor may be tempted to risk his own destruction. Our military organization today bears little relation to that known of any of my predecessors in peacetime. So now what he's going to describe is this is January of 1961. So Eisenhower's been president eight years. It is uh, less than 20 years since the end of World War II. Uh, and he is going to describe how the country has changed since before World War II and to where it was just uh, 16, uh, 17 years later. Or indeed by the fighting men of World War II or Korea. Until the latest of our world conflicts, the United States had no armaments industry. Think about that. We had no armaments industry at one point. Nothing. American makers of plowshares could with time and as required, make swords as well. But we can no longer risk emergency improvisation of national defense. We have been compelled to create a permanent armaments industry of vast proportions. And he's correct about that because whenever we got into World War II at Pearl Harbor, 
the good thing that happened in the time frame was is that we had a lot of time then to suddenly build an army and go to war against Germany and Japan at the time. There was months to build up. We had a lot of time to get that done. In the nuclear age, in the age of the intercontinental ballistic missile, and all of that was happening by the time Eisenhower was giving the speech, you don't have time. You do not have time to come from a place where you have basically uh, no armaments or no military, uh, and then you wait till you get attacked, and then you have a couple of years to build it up. You don't have time for that anymore, and he knew that. Had to do this, three and a half million men and women are directly engaged in the defense establishment. We annually spend on military security alone more than the net income of all United States corporations. Now, this conjunction of an immense military establishment and a large arms industry is new in the American experience. The total influence, economic, political, even spiritual, is felt in every city, every state house, every office of the federal government. We recognize the imperative need for this development, yet we must not fail to comprehend its grave implications. And this is where he makes this point that I think is important for us to think about uh, in light of even what we heard from the president yesterday. Our toil, resources, and livelihood are all involved. So is the very structure of our society. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. Now, that's that's his uh, coining that phrase, the military-industrial complex. That didn't exist before World War II. Uh, So when President Biden said last night, uh, just like we did in World War II, it's not true. In World War II, people and companies got together to say we have to fight a war together. After World War II, and in particular because of the nuclear age, we as a country realized and agreed that we need to have a defense industry. And that industry grew tremendously. And, you know, the world changed. During the Eisenhower administration, uh, the interstate highways became a thing. Uh, there's a joke that Harry Truman once told. I'm getting into the woods of like old politics, right? But uh, Lynn, uh, uh, Franklin Roosevelt, you know, what was his his thing that he brought for America domestically? It was the New Deal, right? The New Deal. And Harry Truman brought a square deal. And Harry Truman once said that FDR brought the New Deal and I brought the square deal and Eisenhower brought the used car deal, which is kind of funny. But uh, because the car manufacturing blew up because of the interstate highway, and there's a lot of controversy about that because uh, Eisenhower surrounded himself with uh, automakers um, who uh, all had an interesting idea to put highways across the country. I wonder why they wanted to do that. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. We must never let the weight of this combination endanger our liberties or democratic processes. So what he's worried about here is that because we now have an industrial military business, that that might cause us to go to war simply because of its economic value. That it might cause us to go to war simply because, hey, you know what, this is creating jobs and this is good for our economy. And it might influence our foreign policy, who we like and who we don't like. It might um, influence a whole lot of things. And we've got to be very careful about the reasons why we would go to war. I think that was a big part of Biden's speech yesterday was to talk about the reasons why 
Um, but the idea that part of the the selling point the president was making is that, hey, you know, when we give armaments to uh, these other countries, we make more armaments and that provides jobs in Arizona and wherever else. We should take nothing for granted. Only an alert and knowledgeable citizenry can compel the proper meshing of the huge industrial and military machinery of defense with our peaceful methods and goals so that security and liberty may prosper together. All right, President Eisenhower, and that's another thing that he said there that is, he's talking to us, the citizens, that as this country, this is something I say all the time, you know, when I say pray for our country, there's so many things that that means, but when we want to pray for our country today, part of that is certainly praying for our leaders as we are instructed to, but part of it's praying for us, that we would be a citizenry that is involved, a citizenry that pays attention to what our government is doing. That's something that we've, we've lost over time. You know, people are so surprised about, you know, these protests in the schools and why do they believe that and where do they come up with these ideas and all of this. And I think that these universities and some of the students who are getting a lot of pushback, like we talked about yesterday, some are losing opportunities, people are losing jobs, the universities are losing money, people are pulling their support. I think part of it is the universities are surprised. They are surprised that um, not everybody agrees with them, that most people don't, in fact. And I think it's because we we tend to live in a bubble wherever we are. Um, And if we are surprised at what's happening in our country, we really shouldn't be. This has been going on a long time, this divisive stuff. And it's okay to ask questions about why are we going to war? Why might we send... Uh, people to go die in a foreign war. Is that good or bad? I, like I said before, I don't disagree that you have to stop. You have to stop terrorists. You cannot let terrorists get away with what they did in Israel. You can't. It's You just cannot allow for that. And you cannot allow um, tyrants to take over other countries. And history has proven that when you when you ignore that or you, when you shrug your, shoulder, shrug your shoulders, you just end up in a bigger battle later because they're just going to do the same thing. I think the president was right to say that. But it's just a thought, you know, and something that I think we should tie in. I found it interesting that the president said, hey, uh, by the way, when we give money to uh, – when we give these armaments over to Ukraine, uh, as we heard him say a moment ago, uh, we're restocking them when we're building them in Arizona and we're building these uh, missiles in these states. And, and uh, you know – Just that should raise our alarm a little bit. I'm not saying to be even against what the president is doing in this case or for it, but we should be aware that the reason we go to war is not to create jobs for people who build weapons. It's not. I think we definitely need a defense industry. In this world that we live in today, you know, we could be at a major conflict so fast you won't even – it won't be historically recognizable how fast we might be in a major conflict. But – uh, so that's why you need a uh, in defense industry. I'm all for it. However, um, the warning that we got from President Eisenhower rings very true today, that we have to be aware that that could cause us to get involved in wars that we otherwise would not be involved with because it helps the economy, that we might be involved and have friendships or relationships with countries that we otherwise wouldn't have relationships with because we're selling them armaments. Right, that's a big deal. That's a really big deal. Anyway, that's that's just coming from from me and my heart. And as you think about uh, what I've been saying the last couple of days, today is a really good day to pray for your country. Uh, it sure is. And um, 
that's something to, to think about is that we also need to pray for our citizenry that we get involved. All the stuff that's happening with school boards, and there's crazy stuff that we're going to talk about more next week, but crazy stuff that our state has done just in the last couple of days, you know, that we haven't paid much attention to because of what's going on in, in Europe, um, in I mean, in Israel. Do you know that uh, we passed a, a bill that is designed to lower dropout rates in high school, and uh, Governor Newsom banned uh, suspensions for people who willfully de- are defiant to their teachers. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of criticism of that. But, you know, if you're willfully defiant to your teacher and your teacher is no longer allowed to discipline or you can't be disciplined by suspension and stuff, and the purpose of it is to lower dropout rates, I don't see how that's going to lower dropout rates. I think it's going to make that person's, that kid, have a worse life because there's no discipline. I I think that we see that all the time, that people do better when they get discipline. Um, anyway, there's a lot going on like that. This is why the citizens need to be involved. This is why we cannot just assume that there are people involved and let them do it. All of us have to do that. This is the Pastor Scott Show. It is Open Line Friday, and uh, here's the music for that. Check it out. I, did you notice that, Wilbert? It played kind of twice on there. And we got a new system A new system here I'm looking at. Look at this. It's sort of like... How about that? Now, I'm learning all kinds of stuff. You know, at first I wasn't too sure, Wilbert and everybody listening and Jose, that this new system I was going to like. But uh, I like that feature right there that I accidentally discovered. 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557 is the number. It's open line Friday. We'll take your calls on anything you'd like to talk about. And uh, you can always email me also if that works better for you. The email is pastorscott at kkla.com, pastorscott at kkla.com. Got an email from Yolanda, and uh, we've been talking about the encouragement to pray for our nation. Here's what she said. She said, I would add for parents to do it together with their kids and recite our beautiful Pledge of Allegiance and to speak its meaning and how blessed we are to live in the United States, uh, created by God-loving, God-fearing men and women, she says on there. You know, it's funny. Thank you for sending that, Yolanda. It's funny because I've been thinking exactly about how to sit down and really have a conversation with my kids related to what's happening in the world right now to really sit down and have a conversation with my kids about um, terrorism. You know, this is the biggest terrorist act, I think, in their life, right? And for many of you listening, right, you you haven't experienced terrorism. I kind of grew up with it. If you're, I don't know, if you're an 80s kid, 70s, 80s kids, there's a lot of terrorist attacks, and then it sort of culminated in 9-11 being the worst one. And uh, But we had lots of bombings and lots of different things and around the world, airplanes and and uh, that was part of the world we lived in. But um, it's been slow in that area. And maybe we're going to see that. The hate that is in the world has, um, you know, certainly manifested in different places. And we've seen that again. And now if you're younger, you just haven't seen this. And I think she's right. We need to talk to our kids about the Lord, about what is true, and realize that yeah, as citizens, we've got to be involved in our own country, like I was saying. But as parents, and for those of us who are Christian parents especially, we're instructed to to instruct our kids in what is right and to teach our kids to be involved. I've been glad that some of our leaders have been encouraging parents to get involved with what's going on because that is actually the role. The role of the school is not to be a parent. The role of the state is not to be a parent. 
That is not the rule. Now, the state can step in, and I think biblically can make an argument when the parents abdicate their role and they're abusive to their kids, and that's why you have uh, the state that does that. But uh, short of that happening, uh, parents are required to raise their kids and to teach their kids right and wrong, or grandparents, if that happens to be your role uh, with the kids. Uh, what do you tell your kids about this? Have you had conversations with your kids about uh, Israel and what's gone on the last few days? Maybe they've caught wind of some of it. And, uh, you know, how old are they? And what kind of conversation did you have? That might be something interesting for you to call about. 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557. We can, it's Open Line Friday. We'll talk about whatever it is you'd like to talk about. A, uh, another thing, and, and Wilbert and Jose, I want to talk about this. Uh, if we get the chance, I know there's serious things happening in the world, but a survey came out earlier this week about the uh, best fast food restaurants and the worst. And also, who has the best and fastest fast food line in the drive-thru, and who has the shortest? And uh, I'm interested in getting your thoughts about that. So we'll do that when we come back uh, from the break. You can follow us at uh, at Pastor Scott Show on Facebook, Twitter, or X or Instagram at Pastor Scott Show. And uh, so give me a follow right now. Just go to your Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Pastor Scott Show. Give us a follow. You can watch me right now. Me, <laughs> you can watch. I think. Can I see you guys? Can you turn that camera around? All right, Jose so it's, it it's might even be possible that you can see Jose and uh, Wilbert today. On, We're on. Uh, We're up here. Oh, you're right there. Oh, look, there you are right there. The camera's on. See, you get all that at kkla.com. Just click on the link, and uh, you can do that. All right, this is Pastor Scott Show, Open Line Friday, and the number is 888-528-2557. We'll be back as the Friday edition continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. It is Friday, and that means Open Line Friday. You can call about anything you'd like to talk about today, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. In a minute, I'll get to the uh, survey that talked about every fast food chain. Um, and uh, we'll, and what are the best ones? What's the best one in every state? That's what it actually had to say. Who has the fastest drive through line? We'll see, if you, prediction on we'll that see one. if you agree. All right, so we'll get to your predictions in a minute. I want to go to Wendy in Mission Viejo. Wendy, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Thank you, Pastor Scott. Hi, Wendy. Hi. So um, my question was, when we want to get involved, what are some? what is the right way to get involved or the, the best way to get involved to, to cause, like, an actual relevant change? You like in the culture, in the society? I mean, well, I'm, I've never been a very political person at all, but mm-hmm. when you talk about our governor passing some law that that misbehaving children are not going to be, you know, they're not going to suffer any consequences. I'm just wondering who voted who voted for that? Like, yeah. how did that get passed? Yeah. And I don't know. Those things are getting passed because of philosophy of governing leaders that is, uh, you know, it's the same philosophy that's leading to worsening homeless crises, for example. I take offense at our policies and strategies. It is Something I think that in California in particular has gone on for a long time. People do not pay attention to Sacramento. It's far away, and we sort of elect people, and they're Democrats or Republicans, and we let them do their thing. But the philosophies in the last few years have changed, uh, and that the dominant philosophies have been 
um, to lower educational standards so that the test scores are better. Right. So if if getting, you know, you're going to have more A students if you turn an A from 90 percent to 70 percent. Suddenly you've got a lot more A students and you can say, oh, look how we're doing. Uh, The problem is, is that you have students that are not educated. Right. Um, And there's a lot of that. So I think a lot of it's personality, but a lot of it's just paying attention. You get a vote. So what I would say to everybody, when you get your ballot in February, you're going to get your ballot for the March primary look up every single candidate who's on there and don't just vote R's and D's. Figure out who those people are, what they stand for. And especially in a primary, you know, you might be voting for one Republican over another Republican. Well, maybe one of them is better, you know, has a better perspective or same for the Democrats. Maybe you should not vote for the same Democrat you voted for last time because they don't think that you should punish uh, the kids uh, when they are in willful defiance. Right. And, you know, local stuff, volunteering kind of is a personality thing. Um, Volunteer at your school or in a public place, you know, tutor. It's all about your kind of your gifts and stuff. And and pray, like I've been saying, pray for your country. Be involved. Um, Be a defender of truth uh, over everything else, which allows you to, you know, to even go against your own party or perspective when they're not correct or you don't think they're correct. I think that is something that uh, matters. We need to be a nation where the the people are involved. And I think as Christians, we're to, we've got to be uh, standing up for truth wherever that lies. Does that help? Well, yeah, I just wondered about the being involved. So you're saying, you know, through volunteer efforts and and voting in primaries, you know, anything else? Any other great ideas you have? Because I'll I'll take everything you have to offer as far as getting involved, because I'm not involved enough. You know, sometimes getting involved is going and supporting people, like at the school board meetings, and uh, those are getting kind of rough. But what's happening in those meetings is Mm. affecting the classrooms. And you may not be a speaker, but you can be there to support uh, the people who are. Um, sometimes yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Yeah, you know, there's you can go to those meetings. You can go you can go to City Hall and sit there and figure out what they're talking about. Another thing that happens, and uh, we'll we'll give an update on this next week. Uh, we usually have Jennifer Kennedy comes in and uh, talks about what's happening in Sacramento, and she'll usually say, "Hey, on this date, here's the number. Call this number." and say you're you're for or opposed to some part of legislation. We have had some victories in the state from the citizens who have called and agreed, hey, this shouldn't be going on, and people have changed their mind. I think we have to remember that politicians, at the end of the day, they would like to get reelected. And when you find out what they're doing, uh, they're, they do tend to listen better when people know what's up. Well, I appreciate that. That is very helpful. Thank you, Pastor Scott. You're welcome, Wendy. And uh, remember, today's a good day to pray for our country. Really good day for that. that yeah, that, yeah. That, that's a morning ritual for me kind of every day. So All right. All I right. will. All right, Wendy, thanks for calling. 888-528-2557. Oscar, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Uh, yeah, Pastor Scott, love your show. And I just wanted to say... Uh, uh, two things. I wanted to congratulate all the brothers and sisters that are supporting Trump because today he came out about four points about this loser uh, that we <laughs> that is accusing him. And uh, 
another thing. Uh, of course, he has to be doing all this much that he's doing, this Biden guy over there, because he is to blame for all this that happened. Well, well not much of it. Uh, also, yeah. But you know what? You know what, Oscar? You got you, you to. You still have to. Here's, here's something I'll tell you, Oscar, of how you can pray for Biden. Um, in a way that I think is is good, because Biden is the president now, not Donald Trump. And Donald Trump might become the president next year. There's If those polls remain, then he would, right? That's what the polls are saying. But right now, you can pray for Biden that he becomes the best president we've ever had, and you can also pray that he doesn't get reelected. You can pray that and that he gets replaced by another person who's even better president. But keep it positive, because... We're talking about war right now. We're talking about the most serious decisions any president makes. And if if you're not confident about how Biden's making the decisions, if you're right, the problem is, is he is the one making the decisions, not Trump or anyone else. So you got to pray for him. And then you can pray for uh, Trump next year if he gets to be the president. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, I'll keep praying for yeah. Trump. Keep, and, uh, keep praying and, and try to keep it as positive it, yeah. as possible. Yeah, thank you, Pastor Scott. All right, Oscar. Thank you very much for calling in for listening to the Pastor Scott Show. Hey, you know, we we talk about so many serious things, but I was intrigued by uh, this survey that came out, and I shouldn't be so intrigued, but I am. What do you think, what's the most popular fast food company in the United States? Uh, In in fact, in uh, each state, what would you say? You said that uh, Jose's got a... uh, What are we talking about, lines? Lines. So, 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 So there's a few different things. We now know you know, definitively, apparently, what each state thinks is the best fast food restaurant. And we also know who has the best line and who has the slowest line. Let's do that for Jose. So, Jose, who has the fastest line and fast food line and who has the slowest fast food line? I'd say the most fastest line has to be Arby's because... You know, there's not many people that go <laughs> eat there. So I don't think that's how they measure it. I think it's have, once you get in line. So you're saying if there's less people in that line, then maybe it goes faster. Yeah, if you're the only car there, they're going to only be prefer, uh, preparing your food. So you um, get there I, in and out. I guess so. But, you know, Arby's has the meats. That's right. You know, maybe maybe people, uh, maybe they just need to get that word out. Have you tried When was the last time you went to Arby's? That's the thing. I've never had Arby's before. Oh, go. You should go there. You know, have a... Uh, I have uh, what do they have? They have the uh, cheesy barbecued beef or something. Have, don't have that. Have the brisket sandwich. It's really good. I've heard that they have good burgers and good chicken sandwiches, and yeah. I've heard they have good fries. So I might yeah. have to try it out. See, see, you learn something new all the time. It's a shame that I know all what's on their menu just off the top of my head. <laughs> what would you say has the the slowest line? You see, I would say like In and Out because when I go the In and Outs, you just see the. The line is just around the block most of the time, so it's a gift and a curse. It's really good, but then you have to wait a long time if you're going to drive through. Yeah, see, I always go in the place, and I th- I think it's faster at the in and out. Yeah, inside. Well, I don't know because which do they prefer serving? Uh, they try to get the cars out as fast as possible, so don't the cars have priority? Yeah, I've heard that, but sometimes I go in and I'm right there. Bam! I I place the order, and although you know, and I try to look at who's who I would have been behind. Right. I know I've lost in that before, but not always. Here's what it says. The fastest line is Taco Bell. I think you can just toss that stuff in the tortilla and just wrap it up. You know why? Because they use the same five five ingredients. It's so true. It's the same ingredients no matter what you order. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It is. Yeah. Smart. That's how it works. Slowest line is Chick-fil-A. 
probably for your same uh, idea there. There's so many people, and you got to fry the chicken and you know do all of that, and and there's a little extra care there with the whole my pleasure business going on. You know, they take care of their people there. Plus, there's me who's saying, "Can I get another Chick Fil A sauce, please?" Yes, exactly. Yeah, it takes a little bit. Uh, of extra so fast. So best one overall, though, In and Out. In California, Nevada, In and Out is the winner. Uh, across the country, it's Chick Fil A. But Chick-fil-A is everywhere now. In and yeah, out see, is not quite Coast everywhere. Thing, that's why. Yeah. But here's here's one in in many states in Arizona, in uh Colorado, Nebraska, Missouri and uh yeah, those states. Some uh donut place called Lamar's? Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Is one. that a place? Am I getting that right? And then some places it's Papa Murphy's. Is that the pizza joint where you take your the take and bake? I think so. I like that place, by the way. We we taxed them out of California a while ago. We, they were here, and then they said, you want us to pay what in taxes? And they left. And they're in South Dakota, where they're number one. Pennsylvania, number one fast food restaurant, Krispy Kreme Donuts. Really? Yep. <laughs> number one. Alabama and Georgia, Daylight Donuts. What's in Texas? Texas Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A, wow. Yeah, Chick-fil-A in Texas. I think, uh, you know, it says something about our country that uh, donut shops are uh, the number one fast food joints in several states. We are all food connoisseurs. Yeah, and uh, we're also something else if it's the donut shop that's number one. That was my nice way of saying that. Right. I don't think that's just, it can't be just a breakfast place then. That's 24-7 right there. Maybe that's it. They're open 24 hours. Anyway, I don't know. I find that that interesting, and maybe you don't. Uh, let's go to the, uh, let's go to the phones. It's open line Friday, um, 888-528-2557. In fact, I need to go to a break. So we'll go to break. I see your call, Sergio and others. The number is 888-528-2557. Open line Friday. We'll talk about whatever it is you'd like to talk about. Final segment coming up. You can follow me at Pastor Scott Show, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and watch us at KKLA.com. We'll be right back as the Friday edition continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, welcome back. Pastor Scott Show. It's open line Friday, 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. Let me get to the phones here. We'll talk about anything you want to talk about. So you can give us a call right now, 888-528-2557. Sergio in Santa Monica, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Oh, thank you, uh, Pastor Scott. Yeah. And uh, about two weeks ago, uh, you were talking about uh, the possibility of, of, of things that, that happened when Jesus was here, and then you said that, uh, that uh, it was possible that uh, when Jesus was here, he also, as a man, he lusted after women. No, I never said you, that. That was not on this show. I never talked about that. For sure, Jesus oh, did not lust after women. Oh, okay, great. It wasn't you then. No, All not right. me, no. Uh, what about, uh, uh, is, is there any way that we can uh, abolish celibacy for the Catholic priests? Because it's causing so many problems. Uh, as you as you probably know, you know, with uh, yeah. priests molesting, you know, they haven't got an outlet. It's a big problem, and I think you know, for the Catholics, I'm not Catholic, you know, but it's a big problem in the Catholic Church, and they're talking about it. But the one of the problems is that if you took that away, it's a practical problem. 
Okay, the practical problem is, is then if you take that, the celibacy requirement for the priest away, then you have to allow the priest to get married, which then means you have yeah. to, you then you have to pay salaries so that they can afford to live, and that will change the entire dynamic of the whole church, because they also aren't paid very much, typically. You know, and they can live in a house right. that the church owns with three or four other priests, right? And it's very economical because you're also taking a vow. I don't want to say it's not necessarily of poverty, but it's of you don't you don't do a lot. So that's that's part of the reason is it's economic. It would radically change the economics of how the organization works. Uh, I think I think though that you know from our Catholic friends uh, that has to be addressed. There's some, you know, there's some Protestant ministers out there who've been involved with that stuff, and it's all awful. And the the whole issue has to get addressed um, by any church and should not be hidden uh, like it has in some cases. So, you know, that that would be my thought. You know, that's a that's a change that would have to be doctrinal. It's harder in the Catholic Church than it would be in uh, uh, Protestant churches um, to make a change like that. But I think you got to do something. Uh, yeah, I did. I tried. Uh, I sent uh, seven letters to the to the Vatican, uh, which none of them was uh, was uh, returned, uh, saying that you know if we didn't have this uh, celibacy for priests, they could get married, and we wouldn't be getting sued for so many millions of dollars around the world. Yeah, it's it's Catholic. a major deal. So, you know, what I would do is you know focus on on the scriptures and the gospel. And, uh, you know, church structures and things sometimes get in the way of that, and uh, we have to break free from that. And traditions and things, they, they get in the way of the gospel. And uh, that's what I would do for you, Sergio, is, is send your letters, but then for you, focus on the gospel and, and following Christ in your life. Uh, that would be a great thing to do. The only thing I can do then is pray about it. You can pray, and you can do your best to follow Christ, and... Uh, um, keep writing your letters. I think it's uh, they can ignore you for a while, but eventually, uh, you know, you might you might have an impact. Sergio, thanks for calling the Pastor Scott Show. Bob and Rancho Cucamonga, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hey, Pastor Scott, I got a trivia question for you. All right, who was the very first? Hold on, there's a motorcycle. I missed the question. Yeah, yeah. what is? Who was the very first Christian convert according to the scriptures? Uh, is it Philip? No, sir. Uh, is it uh, Cornelius? Nope. Uh, the uh, the guards who were at the tomb when Jesus came out, they might have been. If they saw it, they probably were converted. What do you close? You're getting you're getting closer. All right. Who do you who are you going to say? The thief on the cross. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Thief on the cross. I was thinking after the okay. resurrection, but uh, you know for sure. Well, he, you know, I don't know, because he was uh, still Old Testament, technically, but he did put his faith in Christ, which is still what the Jews are, uh, at the time, were, were supposed to do. They just showed their faith by following the law, best they could. Exactly. So basically, uh, today, you'll be with me in paradise. Yeah. Hence, the first one uh, said captivity free, right, when he descended into Abraham's, into Sheol, you know, to free the captivity free, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he was right there at the start of the line. So right there, that I guy. Mean, that's, that's my take on it. Yeah. And, uh, you know. Uh, yeah. 
that the story of the thief on the cross is critical because we have to remember that the thief on the cross, and if you don't know the story, if you're listening, when Jesus is hanging there, one of the, there were many people crucified. We know there were at least three that day, but there could have been many up and down the, the rows. There are, you know, concepts of how the Romans might have crucified many people, but there were certainly somebody to Jesus's right and left. And uh, right. the one of them rejected Christ, the other one accepted him and said, surely you're the Lord. And Jesus said, uh, today you'll be with me in paradise. And, you know, he never went to class. He didn't go to Christianity 101. He didn't have, no, I think, you know. You know, the other thing, the other thing Pastor, is, is, is think about this. In, in the scriptures, it says both of them were reviling against him. And then one repented. One came to faith. Mm. One given the grace of God to see and have empathy for Christ, and that's at that moment when I believe God called him, and he said, hey, you know what? We deserve what we're getting punished for, but he doesn't deserve this. That's right. And Jesus, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And then that's when Christ said, today you'll be with me in paradise. So it's even then, while Christ is being crucified, considers and with compassion at least one of those who was dying with him. Yeah, and it's always about faith, and I think that's something that is the the point for uh, all of us. Thank you, Bob, for calling Pastor Scott's show today, 888-528-2557. That is a, it's a huge thing that we, it's so easy because to get this, to get off track on this, because every faith and every philosophy in the world, religious or non-religious philosophy, whatever it teaches you about being good or goodness, it requires you to show that in order to earn salvation whether that be grace or not grace, but if whether that be credit that you get from God or if it's credit you get from the universe, whatever the, you know, or credit from other humans, if you're like secular humanist, uh, everything is about, you know, how good can you be? And if you can be good enough, then you'll earn whatever salvation is. But in Christianity, it's the distinction of Christianity and every other faith, that every other religion, you're saved by your faith, by your trust in God. That's why the thief on the cross can be brought into heaven because he put his faith in Jesus. He repented, as our caller just said, and turned to Christ. Um, And he didn't deserve anything. That's the nature of grace. It's hard not to say it in our language, but sometimes we say, well, that person deserves some grace, but really they might deserve mercy, but you can't deserve grace. Grace is unmerited favor. Grace is when somebody gives you mercy and you don't deserve it. Grace is when somebody uh, grants you a pardon and you don't deserve, or they pay off your debt for you. They had grace on you when you don't deserve it. And that's really key, because I know a lot of people are feeling like, oh, the Lord can't love me. I can't even tell you how many people have I've talked to in my life who don't follow Jesus because they feel like they've been so bad that God can't uh, help them. Um, and that's not true. He just wants your heart. He wants you to trust him. Uh, 888-528-2557. I got an email here from uh, Yolanda. And uh, hold on here. I went to. I moved the wrong thing here. Where'd I go? Um, here's what it says. It says, the pastor of our church made a brief statement when speaking of the resurrection and how God can handle uh, cremation. We still get our body back. However, I struggle thinking that being cremated destroys the physical body. And when Jesus returns... If I've died and been cremated, I won't have a body to be joined to. Uh, it might seem silly, but would request your thoughts. You know what? It's a lot of people ask that question, actually. And I think I think that some groups out there say, no, you can't get cremated. Here's my answer to that, is that 
um, eventually your body uh, degrades itself. And here's the thing. I think we know this about uh, the physics of things. Matter can neither be created nor destroyed. So that whatever condition your body is in, at a you know, it's all still there. Whether you're cremated or you're buried, this is like a morbid topic, but you're still there. And the Lord can handle all of that. It's not that there's nothing that says, oh, you know, I can't find you, so there will be no resurrection for you. Uh, that's not how it works at all. Nothing can be created or destroyed. And even if you're one of those Star Trek actors who are having your ashes uh, shot out into space, I'm sure God can handle that too. Uh, so don't worry about that. Just leave that in the Lord's hands and worry about uh, following the Lord. All right, everybody, it's uh, always good to be with you. And once again, I want to remind you to pray for your country. Today is a really good day to pray for your country. Uh, There's a lot of things happening, and uh, we'll see what happens in Israel. Uh, But pray for our our leaders, pray for your country. It's a really good day. Share that with your friends and do that. I also want to remind you that the Resist the Drift Marriage Conference is coming up uh, on November 3rd and 4th. It's put on by Focus on the Family, and it's November 3rd and 4th. It's at Calvary Chapel East Anaheim, and the speakers are Dr. Greg and Aaron Smalley. They're going to share their story and what they've learned um, about how they moved from being roommates to soulmates, and it's about strengthening your marriage. And wherever you're at and that you know, spectrum of that, I encourage you to go, go to kkla.com and click the banner right now for Resist the Drift, and uh, you can sign up there, and uh, I will uh, I will see you there. So I'm looking forward uh, to meeting you there. This is the Pastor Scott Show. We are on together each and every day from 3 to 5. If you want a podcast of our, of our program, just look for the Pastor Scott Show wherever you get your podcasts, and click subscribe. You'll never miss a show, and you can forward them to your friends. If there's an hour you really like, send it to your friends and invite them to listen to the Pastor Scott Show, or watch us at kkla.com. And you probably have social media, Facebook, Twitter, or X, Instagram. Give me a follow at Pastor Scott Show, at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Pastor Scott Show. Everybody, I am Scott Furrow. I will see you on Monday from 3 to 5 in the Pastor Scott Show. Have a great weekend. Pray for your country. Good night. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.